0: Thanks to our military and our allies and the brave fighters of Afghanistan, the Taliban regime is coming to an end. conduct a hasty rush to the exit. We'll do it it responsibly, deliberately, and safely. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling? None whatsoever, zero. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy of the United States from afghanistan it is not at all comfortable the likelihood is going to be the taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly like don't you bear some responsibility for the outcome the taliban ends up back in control and women end up losing the no rights. i don't do i bear responsibility zero oh. responsibility Do I bear responsibility? I bear zero responsibility. Those are the words of the usurper-in-chief, fake Catholic Joe Biden. Those are the words that he is going to have to say to the fallen Marines who died today. Eleven Marines passed away today in a suicide attack on Kabul Air Base in Afghanistan. Eleven Marines and other service members as well, 60 Afghans. This is what passing the buck looks like. I haven't really talked about Afghanistan that much uh, during the course of setting up RTF. And, um, you know, the reason for that is just because I have an aversion, a natural aversion, to talking about the Marine Corps and going to war and all of those things, leaving your family um, and and being a super spreader of democracy around the world. But I th- I felt compelled to at least get on the channel today and give you... A couple of just thoughts about my time in Afghanistan. Now note, I was there in 2012. Uh, By that point, the United States had been in the country for at least 10 years. We had sustained thousands of casualties to that point. Our goal, ostensibly, was to prevent the Taliban from taking over the country. So in a 20-year war with 4,000 American troops killed and maimed, many more maimed, trillions of dollars spent uh, we were able to replace the Taliban with the Taliban. No president takes responsibility for it. It happened under four successive administrations two Republican and two Democrat. And I want to unpack a couple of the things, but I can't help but note that these are the scenes of our pre- precipitous withdrawal out of Afghanistan. These are Shocking scenes. Um, I don't have it with me. Uh, I wish I did. Where is it? Let's try this one. This is really shocking. These are people desperate, desperate to get out. These are people that have worked with us, collaborated with us. These are people that helped the American cause. Who are now being presumably executed for working with uh, the United States? I'm going to say a couple things here in this stream that I think are pretty unpopular. Uh, this is not going to be one of those "ra ra USA" type of streams because you know me better than that. And the fact of the matter is, is that we, the United States of America, are the purveyors of error around the world. We spread error. Uh, we <laughs> we spread error uh, as quickly as anyone else in. The history of the world. They call it McDonald's diplomacy. Um, I call it the spread of usury or uh, the profits of doom, as it were. And that's exactly what we were doing in Afghanistan. As somebody who served both in Iraq and Afghanistan uh, within a couple years of each other, I was in Iraq in 2010 and Afghanistan in 2012. Very different experiences. Very different experiences. And that's the first part I wanted to talk to you today about because in Iraq, I had the privilege of working for, directly for a three-star general. His name was Mike Barbero. He's retired now. And Barbero reported directly to a man named Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin is now the Secretary of Defense for the United States of America. At the time, in 2010 and 2011, when I was in Baghdad, Lloyd Austin had just been appointed his fourth star and given command of U.S. forces, Iraq. I can tell you that Lloyd Austin is a man who's of very tall stature, but he is a mental midget. He is a diversity hire. He is not a member of Mensa, and we'll leave it at that. This is the same man now who is mandating not only masks, but vaccines across DOD, with very few exceptions available. And this is a man who may end up court-martialing me because I'm still affiliated with the Marine Corps. He may court-martial me actually for two reasons. First, for refusing the experimental gene therapy, but secondly, for being a so-called extremist. He was the one who originated the so-called anti-extremism training in response to the events that happened in Washington, D.C. Those events, of course, on the epiphany uh, are a a huge false flag, a honeypot, it's a fake psyop, Uh, nothing like the actual Uh, taking over of a country that we are witnessing in Afghanistan. It's an actual rebellion. Um, But notwithstanding all of that, I am probably going to be court-martialed by Lloyd Austin. And um, the irony is is that I shook his hand and did work directly for him or his next-in-line general in Baghdad. What I saw in Baghdad was a country that was... United, at least in terms of culture, shared language, shared history, shared religion, or at least three major religions tying the place together. They had infrastructure, they had literacy, they had natural resources. Iraq was a totally winnable war. When I was there, we were hardly even calling in airstrikes. When I was there, we were training, advising, and equipping the Iraqis to take over. When I was there, we had 90,000 troops, and Barack Hussein Obama came to office and negotiated that level down to zero. That was a precipitous withdrawal out of Iraq, a nation that has natural resources, including oil, which we could have been the beneficiary of, given our tremendous investment of time, energy, treasure, and lives. But instead, we abandoned Iraq, and we all know what happened. The so-called JV team, ISIS, took over the entire country. It was a shock to many. It was a black eye on the foreign policy of the United States, but unfortunately, it falls right in line with how the USSA tends to operate. We break it, and we don't buy it. That is our foreign policy. We did it in Vietnam and Cambodia. We did it in Iraq, and now the world has witnessed that we are doing it again in, as Barry Obama likes to say, Afghanistan. When Barack Hussein Obama doubled down in Afghanistan, that's when I knew for certain, I had always uh, I had suspicions of it, but that's when I knew for certain that he hated the United States, that he truly was a Muslim, and that he wanted to see the U.S. fail. Because instead of focusing on a winnable war, where the terrorists had been basically destroyed and decimated in a nation full of natural resources and literacy and infrastructure, we doubled down in a place called Afghanistan. The, empire, the, the graveyard of empires is what it's called. When I was with 3rd Light Armored Reconnaissance Battalion in the Marine Corps active duty in 2011-2012 as we were getting ready to go into the southern Helmand River Valley right on the border with Pakistan, one of the books we were required to read was The Bear Went Over the Mountain. This is an account of the Russian invasion and their failed excursion in Afghanistan. It turns out that Afghanistan was the Vietnam for the Russians, and that, in conjunction with our nuclear policy, is what bankrupted the Russians. It was a humiliation for them, it was a retreat, and it was a time and money pit. History doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme, at least according to Mark Twain. And we found ourselves in that exact same quagmire for 20 years, and we have now admitted defeat, and replaced the Taliban with the Taliban. Afghanistan, unlike Iraq, has nothing in common with that country. There is no national unity. There is no culture to speak of. There, are no, there is no infrastructure. There is no literacy. There are no rights. There is no sense of nationalism or pride. It is a conglomeration of tribes, little thug tribes, that are ruled by force, bribery, and terrorism. Oftentimes, what I witnessed personally was that the United States would be complicit with those terrorists. We would do favors for the terrorists in exchange for peace. We would dig wells in the ground and provide water to little villages that desperately needed water, and we would credit known al-Qaeda members with having done so. That was our foreign policy if anything, you could describe my mission in Afghanistan as a self-licking ice cream cone. In other words, take your men over there and just don't die. Survive and come home. That was the definition of success, because there was no real tactical, operational, or strategic definition of success. We were there to take up space. We were there for the sake of being there. Now, let's pivot to this week's news. When I saw that we were pulling out of Afghanistan. To be honest, I was fine with it. I obviously didn't like the way that we've done it, and I don't like the precipitous nature of it, the sudden nature and leaving people stranded. And I don't like the fact that people are going to die. But the fact of the matter is, we serve no purpose there. We are not the beneficiary of any of the natural resources, at least on paper, Potentially, we are benefiting indirectly from the opium trade, flooding the market with opioids, which find their way into the American Midwest in places like Ohio and kill people. But outside of the opium trade, it's not like we're mining any of the precious metals that are there, that now China is moving in and negotiating directly with the Taliban to mine. No. When we pulled out of Afghanistan, we're leaving everything behind, and we left heavy equipment behind, Heavy weaponry, medium, machine guns, vehicles, night vision, goggles, all kinds, of, all kinds of serialized equipment where if I were to misplace one rifle, if I were to misplace one set of NVGs, and God help me, if I were to misplace an entire up-armored vehicle, I would be court-martialed, my career would be over, my family would suffer, We would be docked pay, I'd be out of the Marine Corps, and I would have a dishonorable discharge. The level of negligence at play here with the billions of dollars of equipment that we left behind, that we have given to to the Taliban, which ostensibly on paper we are supposed to oppose the Taliban, we have now just armed and equipped them. So when I saw what happened last week, it was bittersweet. Because, A, I don't think that we should be there. I don't think we should have ever been there. I think our reasons for going there were false from the start. But in typical American fashion, we broke it and we didn't buy it. These 11 Marines that passed away today, these 11 souls, my guess is... At least some of them are Catholic. Statistically speaking, 65% of the Marine Corps is Catholic. I have to wonder out loud when the usurper-in-chief, fake Catholic Joe Biden, says it's not his responsibility. Whose responsibility is it? Who's going to have Requiem Masses said for these men? To my brothers in the Marine Corps, I offer you my sincere condolences and my very fervent prayers, especially for the departed and for the faithful departed. And may God have mercy on their souls. They were just doing their duty. And as I look back at my own military experience, I realize I was just doing my duty too, or at least I thought I was. I was deluded into the Americanist ideal that we could spread democracy, that if we just gave people the chance at freedom, that they would clasp it in their hands because it's a precious jewel to be, to be, uh, to be cherished. The fact of the matter is, is that the history of the world differs with that point of view. Neoconservatism has been discredited and discredited uh, in such a spectacular manner with the loss of treasure and blood, with the loss of an entire fighting generation. When I see neoconservatives on Twitter and online, when I see people saying that it's better that we have a battleground over there so that we fight the terrorists over there and not over here, I used to buy into that argument. I used to say, hey, you know what? At least we can fight al-Qaeda in Iraq and not in Chicago. But the fact of the matter is, we were never going to fight al-Qaeda in Chicago. The terrorism narrative was always designed to control the American public through fear and to enable the U.S. USSA to implement measures of security, so-called, and spying on each and every one of us that we have now— Normalized and have come to accept as normal. The biosecurity state has supplanted the terrorist security state, but the narrative continues to shift. The narrative now is about terrorism. Now, the question is, why now? And this is, I think, going to be my final point before I take your questions. The fact of the matter is, is that, is that uh, Joe Biden, fake Catholic usurper-in-chief, actually had a moment of sobriety when he announced our precipitous withdrawal out of Afghanistan. And his precipitous withdrawal and his moment of sobriety was this. It didn't matter if we withdrew five months ago, five years ago, five months from now, or five years from now. The result would have been the same. The fact of the matter is is that the Afghan National Forces, the Afghan National Army, the Afghan National Police, with whom I worked directly in the southern Helmand River Valley, we're never going to be prepared to govern Afghanistan because Afghanistan is inherently ungovernable. This is a lesson that empires for all time have to relearn the hard way. And we sure as heck did. And I think that's true. So the question is, why now? Here we are in, sept- in uh, what, what is it, August? August, September of 2021, 20 plus years into a war 20-plus years into a nation-building occupation, which was a failed experiment in democracy, a failed experiment in neoconservatism. And we, knew, we always knew how it was going to end. The question is, who was going to pull the plug and when and why? So my thesis to you is that so goes the church, so goes everything. It's not a coincidence, ladies and gentlemen, that we are witnessing the overt assault on the traditional Latin mass by that man in the Vatican at the same time that we are facing the specter of a third lockdown for a fake, phony pandemic. It's not a coincidence that the narrative is suddenly being shifted into terrorism. They're using, they're playing the cards that they have to play that they know are going to work to take your attention off the ball, to divert your attention from what is really happening from what is really happening, and that's the end game, the final end game, which is the suppression of the Catholic Church, the destruction of the Latin Mass, and the reign of Satan generally around the world. That's what these people are all working towards, and that's why now. That's the ultimate why now. Yes, I'm sure there are political expediencies to shifting the narrative into foreign policy when domestic policy is so bad for fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden. Sure, I get that. I'm sure there are practical reasons for it as well. But the spiritual reason is, as I have said, it is in conjunction with the final battle against the Latin Mass. and That's what it comes down to. Um, I want to take some of your questions, and I'm going to. So you can submit your questions, but I want to take a moment, actually. I have a new sponsor, and this is the first time I'm talking about my new sponsor. It's called The Saint Maker. And I've got this book here. This is this this is a saint maker book. It is part planner, part spiritual advice. It's got so much going on. It's got devotions in it. It's it keeps it keeps you on track. I got a fancy little video that I'm going to play here and I'm going to talk about the saint maker while I queue up your questions. Can a personal planner really make you a saint? I mean, maybe, probably not. But if you use your personal planner, and you actually have some level of consistency, which is something that I need in my life, then it couldn't hurt, right? The truth is many of us spend too much of our time online, myself included, and if you follow my Twitter, you know that I'm trying to back out of the lame Twitter wars. St. Maker is the first planner for the spiritual life made by Catholics for Catholics. It's got the old rite calendar in there. also has the new rite, and there's a reason for that. I want to talk about that at a later time, I think this thing can help us in our sanctity. There are tons of other great Catholics who are using it. I'm the newest addition to the people that are using it, and I'm really excited to share it with you. You can go to the saintmaker.com to shop the planner saintmaker.com slash restoring the faith. And um, I'd be really pleased if you could pick yours up. They come out every quarter, and they have designed them to be uh, a quarter uh, long. So it's part planner, part calendar. Um, it's got uh, it's got preparations in there for evening, examinations of conscience. It's got the act of contrition in there. It has to-do list, daily devotions, issue tracker. If you are at all like me, you do need something like this to help give you the level of rigidity. Look, a lot of us trads especially, we are rigid about our spiritual lives. We are rigid about our liturgy. The question is, can we get rigid about our prayer life? Can we do that? And this is a tool that I think works. When I received my Saint Maker, I was really impressed. Uh, this quarter, it comes in red, and I think there's a liturgical reason for that uh, that I will be talking about as I keep talking about the Saint Maker in future videos. But I was really impressed with the quality. The, it's really well-bound. It's got this beautiful feel to it. This is not a cheap product. This is the summer 2021. I really am looking forward to fall of 2021 and receiving my updated state maker. Okay, I'm going to take your questions now. So I'm going to look off screen. I'm going to take my eyeballs over here. And what do we got? (laughs) Somebody said, if you don't mind, what do you think of the vaccine? Look, I will talk to you a little bit about the vaccine with respect to the military. I get this question quite a bit. Should my son join the military? Should my nephew, should my brother join the military? My answer about a year ago to people who would ask me this question was only if they come from the right family, because even a year ago, prior to this mess, prior to this hell that we're all living through, or foretaste of hell, really, my answer was, if you come from the right family, if you have the right background, if you have the right disposition, if you can keep your heads on straight, if you are able to keep your head down and navigate the politics of the military if you are a sharp young man, then yes, military service is good for you. And I think in general, in the ideal, military service is fantastic. I mean, I look at my peers, you know, I, I look at I look at the McBlogger class, for example, who's constantly attacking me on Twitter, and I have to wonder out loud, when they were eating cheeseburgers and getting fat at the age of twenty-five, I was on my second combat deployment, a captain in the Marine Corps had command of 120 men and brought them in and out safely. I mean, the level of responsibility that military service gives you, the level of uh, ownership, extreme ownership in your mission, your tasks is unrivaled. And I do think that military service is a integral component of the cultivation of the, of the noble virtue of nobility. And uh, you, ne- you always saw military service within the noble classes, and I think that there is something good and graceful of living a Catholic life and cultivation of authentic masculinity through military service. I can no longer re- recommend military service now for a number of reasons, the first of which is if you don't get uh, along with the radical alphabet agenda, if you oppose that, you will be drummed out. There is... No room for dissension in the military with respect to the radical left agenda. I'm here to tell you that the radical left has taken over the military. There has been a coup, within a coup, of the military. Trump didn't stop it. Uh, It happened under his watch. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that all we're seeing now are the results of what happened in the Bush and Obama years. We now have colonels and generals who were political officers, much like the Russians had political officers whose sole jobs were to enforce the party line. The party line in the, in the military now, especially the Marine Corps, is that if you're not gay or gay adjacent, then there's something wrong with you. That's just a fact. So no, for that reason alone, I can't recommend military service, let alone the fact that they have made this jab mandatory, and there are very few routes around it, as I'm about to personally find out in my 15th year of service to our nation in uniform. Secondly, I can't recommend military service on a philosophical level for this nation, for these missions that we're being assigned, for nation-building, for neoconservatism, because they're immoral. It's one thing, and, and patriotism is a Catholic virtue, but patriotism doesn't mean supporting your nation blindly. It doesn't mean whitewashing the history of your nation it doesn't mean assuming that your nation has always been right. It means willing the good of your nation. It's an act of charity towards your nation. And charity means to will the good of the beloved. It means you want to make your nation better. It means you wish the best for your nation. And that would be why you would join the, the military. But right now, in 2021, military service is off the table because military service only means that we'll be complicit in the furthering of the American empire which is a Freemasonic and anti-Catholic empire. Finally, I can't recommend military service because of the jab and because of the anti-extremism. There's no room for the Catholic faith in the Marine Corps anymore. If you're on active duty especially and you promote the ideals of the Catholic faith, if you're pro-life, then you are now labeled as an extremist and you will face UCMJ punishment. So my advice to young men who are considering military service is look elsewhere. So sad what happened in Afghanistan today. Yeah, it's true. It is sad what happened in Afghanistan today. Can we build a Catholic military academy, a place where young Catholic men can go for a classical education, training the military arts institution for. This is something that I think we need to do. This is absolutely something that I think we need to do. We've got to do it locally. We've got to start small. I commend those people back home that I know who are doing this at a very small level. They're doing it parish by parish, neighborhood by neighborhood. They're getting the Catholic boys together. They're taking them outside, teaching them to camp, to navigate. They're teaching them survival skills. They're teaching them close quarters combat. I think this is something that we should do to cultivate masculinity. If you think your son is going to learn how to be a man playing Call of Duty, then you are a mistaken post trad blogger. Um, we need to do this. And I think as the United States comes undone, something I think that is inevitable. Um, As the United States comes undone and we balkanize and we regionalize, it'll be increasingly important that we as Catholics know each other neighborhood by neighborhood, town by town, parish by parish. This is actually something Marshall has talked about recently, getting to know traditional priests in your area. You should know all of them. You should invite them over for dinner. You should know them by name, have their numbers, get with them on Signal, Chat, and Telegram. You should have ways to reach out to them and communicate to them. You should know the men from the other parishes. You should have regular meetings with the other men. It's something that we need to be doing, just in general course, as a as a um, as a as a duty to our family, as a duty to our churches, to defend them the next time an Antifa thug shows up. Uh, to try to throw a Molotov cocktail into a church, which has been happening up in Canada. 20-plus churches have burned to the ground up there. If we think that that can't happen in the anti-Catholic USSA that we live in, we would be deluding ourselves. So I think that's an important question, Mike. Prost, thank you so much for asking that question. I think I'll just take one more. Um, Yes, video games are lame. Men shouldn't play video games. Boys shouldn't play video games. It's a surreality. It's living outside of reality. We're supposed to be Catholics who use our senses to live in objective reality. That's how God created us. To live in a digital reality is just, well, it's effeminate. That's what it is. Uh, Talking about the jab. Why don't you button the top buttons of your shirt? (laughs) I'm on the job site today. This is an impromptu thing. Also, I just wanted, I wanted my uh, dog tags to dangle down since I'm talking about the Marine Corps, which I rarely do on this show. Um, okay. Did your speaking engagement in Atlanta get a new venue? I don't know. I don't know about the thing in Atlanta. I'm hoping that I can still make it because I do want to talk about the military and the economy uh, in, and that thing in Atlanta in a, in a few weeks, but I'm not sure still if that's going to come. Together, thank you guys so much for watching. Um, pray for these uh, eleven families and for all the families, the gold star families in our country. Regardless of what your politics or their politics are, regardless of what they thought they were fighting for, at the end of the day, I can tell you that we're, when you when you're in country, you're not thinking about the geopolitical space. You're not thinking about who's president. You're not thinking about what your strategic mission is or liberating the Afghans or the Iraqis. You're thinking about your brothers, your brothers to your right and to your left. And I guarantee you that is exactly what was one of the last thoughts going through the minds of these 11 young men who died in Afghanistan today, that they were thinking about their brothers and getting their brothers home. there is no higher level of charity than to give your life for your brother. And uh, with that, please subscribe. Please check out the website and the tweeters. Thanks so much for watching. This is Restoring the Faith. Thank mm-hmm. you.